I'm glad that he paid the debt and set me free. And uh, if you're here today and still in bondage to your sin, I would hope that today would be the greatest day of your life, that you would find true freedom in Christ. Thank you for being here today. I'm glad that uh, Brother Randy is here today. He, uh, he parted his hair down the middle, just like me. <laughs> I've been doing this... I've been doing this for a long time, man, <laughs> and uh, so, um, but uh, glad to see each and every one of you here, and thank you for those who participated by dressing up. I know not everybody was able to, and that's fine, but uh, I know it's fun to do a little bit here and there. All right, well, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark today, Mark chapter number 7. We're making our way through the Gospel of Mark, and uh, we're here in chapter 7. There's only 16 ver- chapters and so we're, we're almost, we're creeping up to the halfway point of, uh, of the Gospel of Mark, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, Mark chapter 7, and uh, as you're turning there, if you're able to join me in standing um, for the reading of God's Word, out of respect and reverence for the Holy Word of God, uh, we're going to read verses 24 through verse number 30. Last Sunday, we, uh, we covered 23 verses, today... Uh, Not quite as many, but uh, we're going to be looking here at uh, this wonderful, strange encounter that Jesus had with a woman, uh, a Syrophoenician woman. An interesting interesting encounter here. Uh, The Bible says in uh, Mark chapter 7, verse number 24, And from thence he, talking about Jesus, arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house... And would have no man known it, know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy, da- thy, thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. And let's pray together one more time. Father, We thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of Christ that we can learn so much from. And today as we come to this strange encounter here uh, with this uh, mother who had a serious issue uh, with her daughter. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn lessons. Help us to have an open heart to what this passage teaches. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So today is Old Fashioned Sunday and... In the afternoon service, I plan to uh, direct the message a little bit more to the nature of Old Fashioned Sunday, but today I wanted us to continue plowing through the Gospel of Mark, otherwise we'll be in here until uh, 2028, and so I want to eventually finish uh, the Gospel of Mark, so uh, we're going to continue to move forward uh, in it today. Now, last Sunday, again, as I mentioned a few moments ago, that we covered verses 1 through 23, 23 verses last week that we covered, and uh, we saw those, if you were here, uh, those with clean hearts and yet dirty, or clean hands and yet dirty hearts, 
And uh, we, we looked at several aspects of that. Uh, the main thing we saw there was that uh, Jesus dealt with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and scribes and how they focused so much on the external and then the inward was all uh, dirty and defiled. And uh, we also saw last uh, Sunday that the heart of the problem is always the problem of the heart, and uh, we need to deal with the heart first and foremost. And of course, that's what God is most concerned about is the condition of our heart than He is about the external aspects of our lives. Uh, but uh, not to say that the external is not important at all, and we mentioned that also. We said, hey, look, um, standards do not equal spirituality, but standards based on the Scriptures are still very healthy and helpful in our Christian lives. So we tried to balance it all out uh, scripturally there as we went through that passage. Well, uh, now Jesus is done uh, talking to these Pharisees and to his disciples and trying to teach them the spiritual truths I just got done reviewing with you. And now Jesus makes his way into a Gentile territory to have some solitude. And it's interesting as the I'm sure the Pharisees were watching Jesus go into a Gentile nation. Uh, that was a little confusing to them because they were like, wait a minute. And now he's going into a, an unclean area. He's going into a place that's considered unclean. He, he didn't go right into a Jewish territory. He went into a Gentile territory. And so he wanted to try to get some solitude by, in verse 24, he uh, entered into a house and would have no man know it. He didn't, want it. he didn't want anybody to know that he was in this house. He wanted to have a little uh, peace and quiet in his life. And uh, how many of you are like that from time to time? Uh, moms, that's not a thing, though. Um, I've known ladies' moms who have locked themselves in the bathroom because that's the only place they can get away from kids. <laughs> and from any type of commotion, and uh, yet they still knock on the door. Mom, I know you're in there. Uh, Jesus wanted to get away from it all a little bit, and so he tried to get into this house. Well, uh, the end of verse 24 says, but he could not be hid. It was not to be. And so uh, here a desperate woman comes in, a desperate mother comes in and crashes the party, and Jesus uh, later in the passage, compares her to a dog. Not exactly what you would expect to hear from the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet that's what he does. But in this passage today, we will see actually the faith of this mother shine forth in a pretty remarkable way. Now today we're going to look at this mother in particular and learn some lessons as we consider uh, the title of the message today, Crumbs from His table. First, let's notice as we go through this passage today, let's notice number one, the mother's problem. The mother's problem. Now, moms already have a lot to deal with in this life. First, they have to carry around these little people inside their bodies for nine months. Meanwhile, their organs are being squashed, relocated, and stressed to no end. And if that's not enough, then they have to go through hours of painful labor. Okay, not to mention all the diapers that come afterwards, the lack of sleep as they feed this new little life, and all the laundry that goes on, the cooking, the cleaning, and on the list goes. It's not easy being a mother. I'm glad that I'm not one. <laughs> 
and that I get to leave every day and go to my office. That's actually my little retreat. <laughs> uh, my wife thinks I work. No, it's just a place to get away from uh, all the commotion of the children. I do some work as well, a little bit here and there, but it is a blessing to uh, have a wife and a mother who does take care of all of those daily needs. Well, this mother here uh, not only had to deal with all of that, but there was something a little more that she had to deal with because she had quite an issue. You see, her daughter was possessed with an unclean spirit. In other words, she was the, this daughter was demon-possessed. Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew records this same encounter here, and, and he gives a little bit more detail regarding the severity of the situation. And Here's what the, the mom said in Matthew chapter number 15, verse 22. She said, O oh Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. You see, this was not a good thing. This was, uh, her, her, her daughter was possessed with the devil and demon possessed. Um, I, I can't help but think uh, that uh, sometimes that uh, when, when, when a parent is having trouble with a child, that, that it's, it's not a need for more medication or more, uh, you know, therapy. It, it's, it's maybe a need for the Lord to come inside and, and, and to do a spiritual work. Uh, I, I can't help but think that we don't need to always run to medicine for those type of situations. And it could be that sometimes, even in this day and age, that some children are uh, possessed with demons. Uh, not saying everybody uh, is, and, and uh, you know, your parents are going, that explains it, why they act that way. <laughs> like, I could have told you that. that they were, that's not what I'm trying to say here, but uh, it, it could be. And uh, that's what, what the case was, at least with this, with this mom and her daughter. Her daughter was indeed uh, possessed of the devil and, and uh, possessed of a devil, uh, demon-possessed. Now, this problem was too big for mom to deal with on her own. She, I imagine, perhaps tried to do a lot of different things to try to rectify and fix the situation, but to no avail. Um, but she eventually got to the point where it was completely out of her hands. And this mom knew what she needed, or rather, she knew who she needed. She needed Jesus. She took her problem to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so she heard somehow in verse 24 that Jesus was entering into this house, and so she comes in and, and kind of crashes the party. Now, problems are a part of life. Jesus said, or James said this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, uh, not if. James starts his whole epistle in James 1 and verse 2 with, Hey, uh, when you fall into diverse temptations. In other words, uh, trials, difficulties are a part of this life. I read about a, a man who woke up one morning to find a puddle of water in the middle of his king-sized waterbed. Well, in order to fix the puncture, he thought he needed to roll the heavy mattress outdoors and fill it with more water so he could locate the leak more easily. Well, the enormous bag of water was impossible to control. And uh, how many, does anybody in here have a waterbed? I don't think, you guys, you do, okay, okay, there's one in every group, okay, <laughs> and I should have guessed it was Jared, no, I'm kidding, um, 
But uh, most people don't have waterbeds nowadays. But I remember when my parents had waterbed back in the day, we're talking about old-fashioned Sunday, they had a waterbed. Well, this enormous bag of water was obviously very difficult to control and, and ended up rolling down the hilly terrain. Uh, not good. And he tried to hold it back, but it headed downhill and landed in a clump of bushes, which poked it full of holes, and the whole uh, mattress was completely destroyed. Disgusted, my friend threw out the waterbed frame and moved to a standard bed into his room. The next morning, he awoke to find a puddle of water in the middle of the new bed. Uh, you see, the upstairs bathroom had a leaky drain, and that's what was causing the problem. So he didn't have to lose his waterbed. Problems, they're a part of life. David said in Psalm 34, verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. In fact, sometimes we think, well, hey, as long as I'm with the Lord, as long as I'm doing what's right, uh, I'm going to have an easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy life. No. Uh, David said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Uh, those who decide to live godly in Christ Jesus are going to experience persecution, uh, Paul said. And it was the Lord Jesus himself who promised, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You see, this Canaanite was dealing with a, this, this Syrophoenician Canaanite woman, this Greek woman, this mom, was dealing with a serious problem, and it happened to be with her daughter. And I, can I just say this this morning? It could be today that in your life there is a problem that you are encountering and going through, a challenge, a trial, some affliction that you're dealing with. Uh, maybe it's health-related. It might be financial. Uh, it might be work-related. could be a difficult challenge with a family member. But whatever it is, can I encourage you to follow the example of the Syrophoenician woman? And take your burden to the Lord. You see, she had a problem, and instead of trying to fix it all herself, and I don't know, maybe she tried a little bit. The Bible doesn't say here, but at some point she realized it was beyond her and that she needed to go to someone who could fix it, and she trusted the Lord to fix it. I want to encourage you, with the problem that you have going on right now in your life, or perhaps down the road, make sure that you follow her example and take your burden to the Lord. So we see the mother's problem, but then let's notice number two here, the mother's posture. So verse 24, the Bible says that uh, he entered into this house, and, uh, but he could not be hid because verse 25, a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came, and notice the posture here, fell at his feet. So she comes in and crashes the party. Someone suggested it would be like us crashing a private party and going up to the guest of honor and asking him if he has jumper cables to help us start our car. It was inconvenient and inappropriate, but she was desperate. Uh, she had a big need, and so she comes in, and notice that she didn't come in with an arrogant posture. She instead came in with a posture of humility. The Bible says she fell at his Feet. That's a good place to be, at the feet of our Savior. In Mark chapter 5, we're in Mark chapter number 7. You don't have to turn over there, but in Mark chapter 5, if you recall, there were two, Jairus and, and, and the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Both of them also fell at his feet. In Luke chapter 10, we find Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
Also in Luke's gospel, we read about one of the ten lepers who were healed, who returned to give thanks. The Bible says he fell down on his face at his feet. While we have the invite in the scriptures to come boldly to the throne of grace, we must also come humbly, remembering whose presence we are entering into. There has been an attempt in recent years to dilute the glory and the majesty of who God is. People often refer to God as the big man upstairs, as the higher power, uh, talking about Jesus being my buddy. Now, friend, can I remind you that, yes, while Jesus is indeed the friend that sticketh closer than a brother, he is also the great, great creator. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere, all at the same time. Jesus is the eternal one, the great I am. He is high and lifted up. He is the thrice holy God of heaven. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. He is the first and the last. His name is faithful and true, and praise God, He is alive forevermore. Revelation chapter 1, as John gets a glimpse of the Lord Jesus in all His glory, Here's what John said in in verse number 15 of Revelation chapter 1. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This woman had a posture of humility, a posture of worship. See, when you really understand who the Lord of glory is, you will also have a posture of humility like the mother mentioned here in Mark 7. Isaiah 57 and verse number 15, a memory verse several months ago, uh, even maybe over a year ago. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So here we have a lady who understood the importance of having a humble and contrite spirit. Yes, I know that Jesus is a friend. But Paul said in Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 9 that God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know we have people bowing for all kinds of different causes nowadays, bowing instead of standing for the national anthem, But, my friend, one day we're all going to bow at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to declare once and for all, no matter who we are, big, strong, rich, wealthy, not, doesn't matter. We're all going to stand before or bow before him and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I remember when, uh, you know, we, pride is a terrible thing, right? And uh, being humbled is not very fun. I remember when uh, I was walking to school one day when I was in ninth grade, I think it was. And I walked to school in ninth grade. Yeah, I, w- I was cool. I had to walk to school. <laughs> um, 
And uh, I remember walking, I had my backpack, you know, around my right shoulder, I think, and I'm walking. And uh, I was walking on the asphalt of the, uh, I had entered the school property and there was a bunch of asphalt there. And the asphalt had some cracks in it. And my shoe just caught just right that crack. And I hit that thing and I just totally tumbled over and my backpack fell and I fell and everybody who was walking to school saw me fall. And uh, it, was, it was a little embarrassing, obviously. As a ninth grade, you know, boy, I'm, I stand up and keep walking like nothing happened, you know. <laughs> Please, nobody saw that, right? Uh, yeah, everybody saw that. Uh, the thing is, is it's, it, it's good to fall. And, and that's what happened here. It, she fell at his feet. Uh, either we're going to fall, God's going to make us fall, or we're going to fall on our own. And so either we allow ourselves, or we either humble ourselves or God will humble us. And she chose to humble herself here. May the Lord help us to remember what Peter said uh, in one of his epistles. He said, be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Peter would know. You see, remember it was Peter who proudly said to Jesus that he would be faithful to the end, that he would never... He would never deny him. No, no, I'll, I'll go to prison for you. I'll die for you. I'm not going to deny you. That's silly. Well, he ended up falling flat on his face there at the fire, warming himself. He learned the hard way, the importance of being clothed with humility. One of the best-selling books of all time, The Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan in that said this about humility. He said, he that is down needs fear no fall. When you're already down, there's no place for you to fall. So why pretend like you're better than you are? And why do I do that? He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble shall ever have God to be his guide. A good, wise words there, Mr. Bunyan. And so we see the posture of the mother. Her problem was... Uh, serious. Her daughter was possessed of a devil, and then, but we see how she was humble as she approached the Lord. But then, number three, let's look at the mother's uh, prayer. In verse number 26, the woman was a Greek. Mark points that out because most of his readers are Greeks as well. A Syrophoenician by nation, she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. So she begins to actually ask. She makes a request known to God. And aren't we supposed to do the same? Philippians 4 and verse number 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You say, wait a minute, God already knows my prayers, what I'm going to ask. And He already knows all the needs in my life. Yes, He does, but He still calls us to make them known because when we do, then we in our own mind, put the burden on him instead of carrying around ourself. She took her burden to the Lord and she turned her care into a prayer. So what problems do you have this morning? Can I encourage you to bring them to the Lord like the Syrophoenician woman did? She uh, besought the Lord and, and that, that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. God says in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 3, uh, some of you may have heard this, that's, you know, 
God's phone number, Jeremiah 33.3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Just a little survey this morning. How many of you have ever been on TV? Would you raise your hand? Oh, several of you are pretty famous. Okay. I didn't realize that I'm standing in the room with a bunch of famous TV stars. Uh, But uh, you also are in the presence of a TV star. I also was on TV, and I'd like to share it with you this morning. It was back when I was about 13 years old, I actually got to... Uh, there was a local television channel that had a couple of the, at that time, Los Angeles Raiders uh, come and have an interview. And they opened it up for the community to call in and ask a question. And so they put the number out there, and I was like, I have a f- access to a phone. I'm going to go and call. And it happened to be my favorite player of all time back in those days, Marcus Allen. A famous running back for the uh, Hall of Fame running back, might I add, uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Raiders. Yes, he did have a stint with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, but that that's going to be nixed from the record in my mind. So, But uh, here was an opportunity for me to talk to my favorite football player of all time on the phone. And so I did. I picked up the phone and it wasn't a cell phone back in those days. It was the phone with the cords, okay? I know you youngins don't really know what that's all about. Um, but uh, there, was a, there was a cord, and you, you could only walk so far before it, like, pulled you back to the, you know. It was one of those cords. And so I'm, I dial the phone number, and they say, uh, hello, what's your name? And I said, Eric. And they said, okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll put you on hold, and if there's time... Uh, They'll take your they'll take your uh, your question, and I said okay. And my butterflies were like flying around. I was so nervous. I was, but I was so excited to be able to possibly talk to my favorite football player of all time. After waiting on hold for I don't know five or seven minutes or so, finally I heard like a click on the in the phone, and then I heard the words "You're on the air." <laughs> and, and, and my, my parents were watching the, the TV show in, in the other room, and, and, and I said, uh, hi, yes, and I, I did not have a deep voice. It was back, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I, I listened to that voice, and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> this little kid voice comes on and says, hi, this, this question is for Marcus Allen. Uh, who is your favorite quarterback? Is it Jay Schrader and I can't remember the other quarterback who is uh, there, there were two quarterbacks. They were kind of in between at that moment, and uh, and I asked that question, and everybody on the set was like, "Ooh, that's a controversial question, <laughs> actually. Like, how is he going to answer it?" And he answered it very diplomatically. You know, they both have strengths, and it was, but it was so cool to be able to talk to him and and uh, to be able to ask a question and and uh, talk to my favorite football player. And uh, my parents, I think, were recording it. I think there's a VHS tape somewhere. You guys, you kids don't know what that is either, but a VHS tape somewhere of me talking on the, uh, the phone, on TV, with uh, my favorite football player. Now, here's the deal. As a believer, as a Christian, I have access to someone far more important than a Hall of Fame running back. Right? I have access to the Lord of glory, who has the, the power to 
listen to my prayers, but to God be the glory has the power to answer my prayers. I actually have access to God's throne room 24 hours a day. Like there's no open and closed hours for this. Seven days a week. Chick-fil-A, are you listening? No, I'm teasing. I'm thankful that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. I think that's a good thing. Although there's never a day that I want Chick-fil-A more than on a Sunday. But anyway, seven days a week, 365 days a year, or 366 if it happens to be a leap year, God's room, God's throne room for me as a believer is open and I have access. And guess what? I never have to wait on hold. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Lord is busy now. Can you please hold? No, I can have direct access anytime. And by the way, that access doesn't just belong to me because I'm a pastor. It belongs to me because I'm a Christian. And if you're a Christian, you have that same access. And the question is, are you taking advantage of that access? I think when we first got here, we were pretty excited to have a zoo so close. So we went up to the Oklahoma City Zoo and uh, we ended up getting an annual pass for the zoo. And uh, we enjoyed the zoo there. And we went, I think I went with my annual pass a grand total of two times. I had all that access and I only used it twice. How many of us as believers have this unlimited access to the throne room of God? And yet, how often do we use it? I fear that uh, many Christians are like me with my Oklahoma City Zoo Pass. Uh, we have access, but we never use it, or we very rarely do. Uh, here, the mother decides that she's going to use her access. Well, you see, we have been given the invitation to come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so she does come to the Lord of glory and say, can you please fix the situation? And so we see the mother's prayer. But then number four, let's look here at the mother's persistence. As we come to verse number 27, we will see at first glance that this seems to be strange verbiage from our loving Savior. But as we dive a little deeper, we're going to see that Jesus was not actually rejecting this desperate mother's attempt for healing, but he was actually testing her faith. And he was also revealing truth regarding God's plan. Now let's look in verse 27 here. It says, Jesus said unto her, after she asked him to heal her daughter and relieve and uh, cast this devil out of her daughter, here's what Jesus said in verse 27, let the children first be filled. For it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. You see, he was in essence saying that he first came to God's chosen people, the Jews. That was the primary purpose of what he was saying here. Matthew's record, again, Matthew recorded the same event. And his record sheds a little more light on the purpose and priority of Jesus because Jesus said in that passage, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, Jesus first came to the Jews. Romans 1.16 bears this out as well as Paul said, For I am not ashamed 
of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. See, Jesus came first to the Jews, and that's what he was trying to communicate here. Yes, he was in a Gentile area, and yes, he came to that, but he wanted to communicate that he first came to the Jews. Now, while Jesus did indeed first come first and foremost to the Jews, he also came for us all, even for us Gentiles. Most of us in this room, as far as I know, are all Gentiles. Paul said this in Romans 5, in verse number 18, he said, Therefore, as by the offense of one, it's a reference to Adam there in the garden, Therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. And then Paul says, even so, by the righteousness of one, and that's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification. Friend, that's you and me. That's Jew and Gentile. That's rich and poor. That's white collar and blue collar. That's who have lots of degrees and letters behind their name and those who barely even finished school, high school. You see, the free gift came upon all men, red and yellow, black and white. We are all precious in His sight. But then Jesus issues a seemingly harsh insult to the lady. He insinuated that because she was a Greek Gentile, that, she meant, that meant that she was a dog. Now, in the Old Testament, many times that is what they referred to Gentiles as, a dog. Not exactly politically correct nowadays. The woke crowd would obviously take issue with this assessment and probably would end up canceling Jesus altogether. Most commentators, though, agree that while this sounds harsh, it was really meant to test her faith. One scholar even thought that it could have been a little playful banter back and forth like we do between Northerners and Southerners here in America, where we give the Northerners give the Southerners a hard time and vice versa. Um, either way, it was not a refusal to re her request at all. It was actually more of a test that he knew because he was the all-knowing Lord of glory. He knew she would pass it. Now, when he, he said dog, he wasn't referring to a dirty scavenger type of dog. More, he was referring to more of a domesticated pet dog like a puppy. And uh, for, to kind of keep everybody's attention this morning, I thought I would show a couple pictures of our dog, Abby. Uh, so there we go. This is just to kind of keep everybody awake, mainly. Um, in my notes, I say, keep everybody awake, show a picture of that. No, I didn't say that. But um, This is what Jesus was referring to when he said dog. Not, not a, the unclean type animal that's out there, but more of a domesticated puppy that you would have in your house. And then here's another one. I give, my, give her a hard time, but actually, she and I kind of do some things together. And so she was helping me work one day out, in the, out on the patio, so... There we go. All right, enough of Abby. Enough of that dog. Well, notice her response here to it. Um, she, Jesus gives this test, and then notice in verse 28 her response to it. 
And she answered and said unto him, Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, instead of, you know, I know what people would do nowadays uh, if they were treated this way. They would go on social media talking about how horribly she was mistreated. No, she doesn't get offended and storm out because Jesus insinuated that she was a dog. Instead, she humbly agrees with Jesus' assessment of her condition. Can I ask you, will you agree with God's assessment of you? Here's God's assessment of who we are. We're not... You know, just need to channel your inner goodness. That's a bunch of malarkey and balagna. That is not Bible. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what God's word says. Here's what God says about me and you. Psalm 53 and verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He said, corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity and there's none that doeth good. God looked down from the heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and that did seek God. And here's what he found. Every one of them has gone back. They are all together become filthy. Filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That's God's assessment of me. And that's God's assessment of you. What are we going to say? I can't believe God would say that. I'm going to go post a big video and it's going to go viral about how I was mistreated. God declares that we are all sinners and come short of the glory of God. That's you, that's me. Now realize that our day and age where everybody wants to be catered to and accepted just as they are, no matter what gender they think they are and what they do in this life, and they don't want to hear that they're sinners, but my friend, God says that we are. Whether you like it or not. I encourage you not to storm out today and get offended, but to be like this Syrophoenician woman who said, yes, you're right. Well, that is me. But then notice, she not only says yes, she also calls him Lord. She says, yes, Lord. And this is a side note that I had not noticed yet before, but the only person in the Gospel of Mark to refer to Jesus as Lord is this woman right here. She didn't deny the priority of the Jews in God's plan, but she also believed that Gentiles were not totally excluded. And so she says in verse 28, Yes, Lord, but the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And for those who let your dogs in the house. And I said when we had this dog, she was going to be an outside-only dog. She's not. She's not. She's not. Okay. She sometimes is in the house. And guess what? Sometimes she gets those crumbs that go off. It does save me a little bit of sweeping. <laughs> so in that sense, it's kind of a blessing. But that's not on the record. Scrap that from the audio. I almost said Abby was a blessing. I almost said that. But that's the case. And this woman 
has a quick wit, quick wit about her, and she says, you're right, I may be a dog, but guess what? There are some crumbs that end up falling from the table, and that's all I'm looking for. This woman was, had a quick mind and a quick wit. She responded to Jesus' statement with a sharp reply, and I, I admire this woman for not only what she said, but how quickly she took the statement of Jesus and turned it into a profession of faith. I've always admired people who are quick on their feet. I am not quick on my feet. I actually have to think and plan ahead of what to say. But some people are just quick and witty, and I'm not that way. It's like the college guy who was working at a grocery store. He was in the produce section, and a little old lady came up to him and said, Sonny, I see heads of lettuce here, but I can't. can I just buy a half a head of lettuce? He said, ma'am, I don't know. I'll have to go ask the manager. So the guy went up uh, one aisle and down the other and found the manager at the back corner of the store. And he walked up and said, sir, there's an idiot over there who wants to buy a half a head of lettuce. Well, what he didn't realize was that this little old lady was fast and she had followed him step for step. (laughs) And just as he was talking to the manager, he caught a glimpse of her in his peripheral vision. And so he said, sir, there's an idiot over there who wants to buy half a head of lettuce and this dear lady wants to buy the other half. So they took care of the lady. The manager picked up on what the guy had done. And he said, son, you're pretty sharp, man. Where are you from? He said, well, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the world's ugliest women and greatest football players. (laughs) The manager had his smile turn upside down and began to frown and said, son, my wife is from Minneapolis. (laughs) Well, without missing a beat, he said, really, what team did she play for? Now, like that boy, this Gentile woman had a quick wit. She knew how to turn it around, and she wasn't going to just let this little thing stop her from continuing her request. And Jesus didn't just admire this quick woman's wit. No, he admired her faith because she knew all she needed was a little crumb from his table, a little bit of Jesus' miracle working power, a little morsel of his mercy. She knew that's all it would take for her daughter to be spiritually healed. In fact, Matthew's record of this event, her faith was what caught the attention of Jesus. Matthew 15, 28, the Bible says, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. All she wanted was a little crumb. And her faith made a difference in the life of her daughter. Parents, can I encourage you today that your faith can make a difference in the life of your children? Here was a mother whose faith made a difference in her daughter. I think of Moses' parents who their faith in the Lord's protection made a difference in Moses. I think about young Timothy who was, uh, had kind of a difficult situation. His dad was a Greek, an unbeliever. His mom was a faithful believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of her faith, and the Bible points out it was unfeigned, it was genuine, it was the real McCoy that made the difference in Timothy's life. So mom, dad, your faith isn't just your faith. It also is making a difference in the lives of your children, just like this lady. And so we see number five, last thought here as we wrap this up, the mother's provision. In verse number 29, 
Mark 7, the Bible says, He, Jesus, said unto her, For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. She was given a promise from the Lord Jesus himself. It was as good as done. And it was done because in verse number 30, when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. One commentator uh, pointed out that perhaps as that devil was responding to the voice of Jesus in leaving her, he kind of wreaked as much havoc as he could. And that's why she was laying upon the bed. She it was a, a fitful event. I, I don't know if that was the case or not, but could have been. This, this, this particular miracle shows once again the amazing miracle-working power of the serving Savior. He was able to cast out the demon without ever having to go in person to cast it out of the girl. He didn't say, okay, well, I'll follow you home and, and we'll go and do this. He just said the word and it was done. And that's how powerful my God is. And once she returned home, she saw her daughter laying there whole. You see, we do serve a God who delights to answer our prayers. And one thing that Jesus really was impressed with was this lady's faith. She wasn't going to be denied. I realize that you may again have a problem this morning that you besought the Lord about, a prayer request that you've uh, talked to the Lord about, and it's, it's not been answered yet. Are you going to get discouraged? Or are you going to be like this lady and say, hey, Lord, I believe that you're able to do this, and I'm going to keep asking until it's done, until I get an answer. This lady held on, and her faith was admired by the Lord Jesus himself. Some lessons from this message called Crumbs from His Table. Uh, look, you may be here today and you say, I just need a little crumb in my life. Like with God being that he's infinite in all, a crumb is enough to meet any need we might have in our life. And sir, we don't deserve to receive anything, but God in his mercy has allowed us to receive everything. If you're here and you're not saved, the Bible says that we're all sinners and we cannot save ourselves. We're in a world of hurt, but praise the Lord. We've talked about it a little bit in there earlier in the, in the service when we sang about, tell me the story of Jesus, sweetest that I ever heard. That Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again so that we don't have to die in our sin. So that we can spend eternity in a wonderful place called heaven. He did that for me. He did that for you because he loves us. That story will never get old. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, today's the day. Don't wait any longer. Nobody in this room is guaranteed another day. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Our life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. We don't know when that vapor of our life is going to vanish. Hopefully, not for a long, long time, but no one is guaranteed that's the case. And we're not really ready to live until we're ready to die. Are you ready to die? Are you ready for eternity? Today's the day to get that settled. And then for those of us who are believers, uh, let's remember to have the right posture as we come before the Lord, to maintain a humility, a spirit of humility before the Lord. 
and to continue praying and being persistent in our prayers. Well, let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to look at this strange encounter uh, between the Lord Jesus and a desperate Syrophoenician woman. Lord, thank you for her faith. God, may you help us to have the same faith that she has. That, Lord, to respond and agree with your assessment of who we are. To refer to you as Lord, not just in word, but in our lives. That you would indeed be the Lord of our lives. That we would submit to your lordship. And then, Lord, that you would help us to keep our requests and make them known to you. And and to uh, take advantage of the access that we have to you. And Lord, I pray also, if there's one here today that has never trusted Christ, never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, may they do that today. May they repent and believe the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask the pianist to begin playing, and as she does, I want to invite you to have a time of prayer right where you are, a time of decision.